Caitlin, do you know we have a theme song? Only if you sing it, I'll know it. <laughs> don't don't screw it up. <laughs> don't screw it. It's another Friday. This week I did it my way. I made lots of juice, and now I feel a boost. Baby, say, oh, it's the way I make my juice. Pressing fruits and roots. This week I did it my way. Baby, say, oh, now let's have some fun. There is nothing greater than Friday's nature. Ooh, welcome to... Good Nature Radio. This is your host, Charlie Wetloffer, joined by my esteemed co-host and the number one juice business consultant in the world, Chef Ari Sexner. What's up, Ari? How's it going? Good to be here. And of course, the wonderful Olivia Esquivel, founder and owner of Southern Press Juicery, a wildcrafted collection, and the only one that makes being a soccer mom seem cool. What's up, Olivia? What's up, guys? And we are joined by the very special Caitlin Soto today. What's up, Caitlin? Hi. Hey, Caitlin. Um, I made some notes from your website, so I'll give you a little intro here. Caitlin is the founder of Flores Juice Co., lo- located in Joliet, Illinois. That's outside of Chicago, right? Yep. Uh, graduated college with honors and received her bachelor's in nutrition science from Benedictine University. Received awards for nutrition education, volunteerism, notable women in business, nutrition advocacy, and more. And this part I love from your website. It says, we will never compromise on the quality. Always fresh fruits and veggies. No cheap crap. No HPP. No synthetic garbage. Always bottled in glass. That we work so damn hard to keep going. All for our favorite florist friend, you. How are you, Caitlin? Nice. (laughs) <laughs> Still true today. I'm glad I'm sticking with what I said six yeah, I years ago say, or seven years ago when that was created. Yeah, it would have been funny if you're like, oh, actually, we're using plastic and uh, yeah, <laughs> adding ascorbic acid to our juice now. <laughs> no, yeah, um, many times that's been offered, but no. <laughs> so, Caitlin, you're a friend of mine and of Good Nature's. We've known each other for a while. Um, we did an IG live together during the pandemic a couple years ago. Believe you've been to JuiceCon, right? Yep. Yep, been to JuiceCon. Been a good nature customer for a long time. Started your juice business at home and eventually uh, opened a juice bar. You still have one location, juice bar? One location. So we've gone from juice bar more to juice production. So we're working on getting these really cool grab and go smart fridges in different locations. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So uh invited you on this week because last week I brought up your Instagram page and showed that you made an announcement about switching from 16-ounce glass bottles to 12-ounce glass bottles. And that's something we've discussed here on the podcast before. And I thought it'd be cool to bring you on and ask you how it's been going. It's been a couple of weeks now, right? It's actually been like a week and a few days, so... Sort okay. of close so what's, to a couple weeks. It so feels curious, like, like it. yeah, <laughs> what's the reaction been with customers, and how has it affected your business, like from a you know pricing and profitability standpoint? Just give us all the good details. Yeah, pricing and profitability have gone up 
Um, I don't know where everyone else is located, but where we are, I wouldn't necessarily call it an affluent area. So we can't just go around charging, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 dollars a bottle, which I know some places are able to do that. So our sales were actually going down a little bit in certain months and then just kind of stagnant, like plateauing. So our customers were asking for smaller bottles, cheaper prices. Um, we sent a survey out and we're just going off of what they want, right? So I'm not in business if I'm not giving them what they want, but also doing what we know how to do um, and what our staff knows how to do. So the the demand was there. We just needed to supply it. And then we were also having trouble anyway, getting those 16 ounce bottles. We used to be able to pick them up for 48 cents, you know, five years ago. We would just pick pallets up on the truck and now they're anywhere from $2 and like 25 cents with shipping all the way almost to $3. So it was kind of a no brainer for us to just switch. And so you're able to source the 12 ounce bottles a lot cheaper than that now or? Yeah, so far, knock on wood, 56 <laughs> cents a bottle is what we got the last time we got them. And it's, you know, we're always scrappy. We don't have the same supplier all the time because we might for like a few months and all of a sudden the bottles are discontinued or they, you know, they say they have a few pallets and then we only end up getting like a few hundred bottles. So mm. we're always looking for somebody else and better pricing. Um, mm-hmm. But so far it's been good. Hopefully it stays that way. Then you have to uh, buy those by the pallet, I'm assuming, to get that pricing? or We do, yeah. You can buy more if you want. We're just a small space, so... We are only about 380 square feet right now, so we would love to buy more and get even better pricing, but pallets are one to two are what will fit comfortably where we are. I, yeah, no, I, I know it's kind of I know it's kind of early in uh, the switch that you made, uh, but have you noticed an increase in sales or yeah, yeah that's we awesome. have our one of our like our original grab and go fridge did the best it ever did two days ago. So I'm, I'm waiting to see, you know, wow. how it's doing. Cause our people shop differently. They weren't really coming up anymore when we had the juice bar open after COVID. So they shop out of this grab and go model and they get deliveries. But that fridge, I was like, woo. <laughs> I was like, it's working <laughs> when I saw nice. it. So Caitlin, did you lower your prices? We did. Yeah. yeah. So, but, so what was, what was the formula you used? So food costs was the same, right? Um, yeah. But so how much did you lower it by? Honestly, we only lowered them by like 50 cents. So people just had some sort of like mental, it was like a, an obstacle where they saw double digits and they were like, oh, that's expensive. Like they saw, even if it was 10, but when they see like nine, like smoothies are 750, even somewhere in the eight range, they're, they're fine with that. Um, and also it depends. So we grow some of our own stuff. So it kind of just depends on what the, the drink is, if it's a smoothie, a juice, all that. Nice. So, so what, you... what, price, what price range do you have your juices on? Sorry, Charlie. I'm just trying to understand. Yeah. Juices yep. now are, we try to keep them consistent with the fridge. So the fridge uses like a tagging system. So right now, as we're like kind of in the middle of transitioning, they're all nine, every single one. So you were able to de- decrease your food cost by quite a bit, 
and not lower the price proportionately as much. Yeah. Because it's like 25% less juice, but you only lowered it by 50 cents, which is more like um, not even uh, 10%. So, so the, yeah, so that's really good for your business and your profitability. And then customers, seems like they're liking the, the lower price points. They are so far. And the staff like it too. When they, It's funny, when we get the 16-ounce back, they're like, because we still hand fill, they're like filling, filling, filling. They're like, this is such a big bottle. And it's nice <laughs> to be able to just boom, 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 like go quick, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people don't realize too. I mean, sorry to jump in there real quick, but I mean, the labor aspect, like your employees are able to crank out a lot more juice, right? In a short amount of time. Yeah, just from that it. little bit. That's, that's awesome. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Because now if you run mm-hmm. for a few hours on the X1, which I know you have a X1, you're making a lot more bottles of juice in the same amount of time. Yeah. And Very I cool. love seeing that. So we used to have just a sea of like 16 ounce bottles before COVID. And then it's been kind of, mm, and now I feel like we're getting back to that where I love to see just like that sea of juice, like in the fridges. And I, that's right, where we should be. Your your cooler gets packed more, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, like I always tell people, like you can't sell what's not in there. And so, um, I would much rather, like sometimes, like my staff will hold juice bottles back, um, and like just put out like the first twelve bottles. I'm like, what are you doing? Load that cooler all the way to the back, and every single time somebody comes in and buys a crap ton of juice, and now the cooler is empty, go back and reload it. Like it's think about when you're shopping at a grocery store. Like it never, rarely is you know, do you see that there's missing milk? I mean, they come back as soon as they can and refill it. So um, that's what's great about going to a smaller bottle is you'll make twice as much, you know, as many bottles. And so your your cooler must be looking amazing. Yeah. We like to do the pilot high and watch them fly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Those grocery stores too, they even have those fridges that like push the stuff forward. Like when you take one, it pushes them forward, like spring loaded. They know how yeah. important it is for it to look full. For some reason, it's a mental thing. There's an empty fridge with one bottle of juice. You're like, yeah, I don't know how long that juice has been in there, you know. But if it looks full, for some reason, it comes off a lot differently. Yeah, it's funny because some of my staff, like whenever I say that, they're like, oh, Olivia, don't you think it would be better for it to look like, oh, that's a popular juice. That one's almost gone. And I'm like, no, that makes it look like all the other juices are crappy and people just wanted that one popular juice. Like there must be a reason why the rest of them are here, right? So like, just load it, just freaking load it from the top to the bottom. People think it's like spoiled or something, even if it's like was just made. Right. Let's talk about these grab and go Fridges a little bit. I'm curious on yeah, what I want to hear about that. Is. Yeah, they're awesome. So there's a company called Bite Technology, and during COVID, we were like, "How are we going to sell?" Because you know, I wasn't planning on going out of business. So that offered us a way because we had to close. We're located inside of a gym, mm-hmm. and pretty much whatever they do, we have to do uh, most of it. So when they closed for COVID, like everyone else did, we had to close. And at that time, people were, they needed us. I feel like a lot more than they do now. Everyone was worried about immune support and staying healthy. So we had all these orders and customers and we were like, what are we going to do? We can't physically be there. So we just kind of closed it off and did production and stocked those fridges as kind of like a contact list in a way. It's not fully contactless, but that was our way to get 
product to the customer where they could come and swipe a card, a valid credit or debit card. They can't get in it unless they have that. And then when they open the fridge, they can browse around in there so they can pick things up, mm. look at it, put it down. And it won't charge you like a hotel if you just breathe on a bottle of like vodka and you get charged like $100. This is different. It has to come out and close. <laughs> And then it charges. So, and then as a business owner, like you get to see, there's a dashboard. You can see who came in, what time they came in. Did they use a coupon? What did they take? Um, so I really like that. And with all of our staffing issues, I mean, it never needs to be staffed. And the fridge is open during the week from 4.30 in the morning till nine at night. So it's been really good for us. So you're collecting sales when you've got no staff there. Yep. Right now it's like I a vending, it. It's like a, a modern day vending machine. Exactly. It's like a sexy vending machine. Right. That's awesome. I haven't, I haven't heard about that, but I, I was just traveling and I feel like I'm seeing like all of these crazy vending machines, like in the airports and they're all like, you know, there's like the Kylie Jenner one and it's like her lips or something. And I'm just like, Oh my God, who knew that like vending machines could be so sexy. Um, mm -hmm. and benefit. Have you ever seen the one for benefit makeup? It's like a little pink truck. It's really cool. No, um, I haven't. So, so how does that work? Do they, they charge you obviously a credit card fee and then do you yeah. have them in other locations other than in your store? Not right now. We're working okay. on a few hospitals, but mm -hmm. that's, we're actually undergoing like a renovation right now so we can make the space more functional as far as like production goes. Cause we had it open for like a cute little cafe walk-ups and all of that. And then we tried to reopen after COVID. We had like six customers that came up. Mm. I mean, it just, it didn't work. And then we had like three wow. staff members in there. So, yeah. Um, so we're just, we're going through and kind of getting that done because we didn't have enough space. And then we're going to work on more of the outreach, like with the hospitals. A lot of schools have it. I don't know if anybody knows what Farmer's Fridge is, but it's sort of a simple model like that where they have these awesome salad vending fridges and, you know, in airports and hospitals, schools, it's going to be kind of similar to that. <clears throat> Let me, let me ask you something, Gaitlin. So does that allow you, I guess, is that you still selling direct to the consumer? So does yes. that allow you to keep a raw product? It does. Yeah. Wow. That's the ah. one nice thing about it. And that's what I loved this about it. Because my mind right now. That was this one of my concerns. Great. I know. I'm like, Ugh. buying it. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. There's so many nice things about the fridge, honestly, that sort of saved our business because even when we had walk-ups come in, we would have to pay. So our tax rate is nine and three quarters. So on mm. every single, you know, someone would come up and get one drink or two or three, we'd have to pay nine and three quarters on all of that because it was made to order meant for like on-site consumption. But with the fridge, I learned that it's pennies now because it's packaged and meant to be consumed off-site. It's literally like 0 0.012. I mean, when I pay my sales tax, it's, we probably honestly wouldn't probably, we wouldn't be in business still if we kept going the way that we were going. So. And so do you pay just a monthly, how does the payment to the company work? You pay like a monthly fee for the rental or do you buy the machine? Yeah, you buy the machine. So the machine itself is like 5,000 with shipping. And then there's, so the credit card fees are kind of steep. They used to be four and a half percent. Now they're 2% plus 20 cents on each sale that comes through. Um, if somebody opens the door and like doesn't, one thing that we do a lot of is 
pre-orders online. So they pay online, which is cheaper for us. And then we put them in the fridges, like mm. just ready to go. So people can swipe their card and get in and grab it. And like a little um, bag they or don't something? Get or anything cool... unless they take... Yep. Yeah. In a bag. And you can staple them up or secure them however you want. Um, but back to fees too. So there's a license fee. So that's for them to help you out. So sometimes when a customer has an issue, they'll send something through and the team at Byte will send it to us if they can't answer the question. It'll be something like, hey, I thought I grabbed this flavor or whatever. Um, so there's $100 for that. And then $25 for like cell service. If you, because the machine runs on the internet, but if you hardwire it in and use ethernet, it's $0 every month. But it's worth it, honestly. Like the That's fridge cool. paid for itself when people knew what it, what it was and how it worked by the second month. So by the second month that had already done like 6,200 bucks, because we were just trying to like tell people this is safe to use, like swipe your card, it's fine. So I think once they got comfortable with it, now they're just used to using it. Well, I think it totally makes sense in your scenario of when you're, you're in a wellness gym or, you know, and, and when you're basically, um, you're in a place that maybe has different hours, like maybe does the gym have like 24 hour access, um, for some members, but then, you know, obviously you're not operating 24 hours. I don't know. I would have to think about if it makes sense. Like if you have your own brick and mortar, right? Because then you're paying your rent and then you're paying the machine and those credit card fees. Well, it would know. make sense it if you had your brick where... and mortar and then you put these fridges in other places. In and other you... places, right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I don't know if it makes sense to put it in your brick and mortar unless like there's sometimes where we do like, you know, people are standing in line. Like for instance, when we do BOGO bowls and people are standing in line to get their bowls versus somebody that comes in and they just want one bottle and they're like, damn it. Like I've got to stand yeah, in line. Yeah. This huge, you know, and so it's like, it might make sense in that if they maybe they had a smaller one where they could just come in, grab their juice, pay for it, and they're out. They never need to like, you know, meet with an associate or wait in line. That's so interesting. But clearly the game changer here is the fact that you don't have to um, deal with the product not being raw because you're still technically selling it to the consumer, right? Once it goes to a third party, then that's where legally it's supposed to be um, pasteurized or, you know, some some form of pasteurization. So that is really like blowing my mind. Yeah, there was, uh, yeah. I, I've talked to some people that have tried this and they've always had a lot of hurdles, you know, and the biggest ones were uh, the point of sales for the machines, which sounds like they have it figured out. Uh, the refrigeration temp, you know, to be able mm -hmm. to monitor that and the the tracking of the sales. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, is there kind of like a system they have for, the temperature kind of recording the temperature of the units and uh how do you track the sales kind of know when to fill it back up yeah you can see it all from the back end so you can see what's in there you can see sometimes i'll like certain customers will leave the door open too long and i can tell because the temp mm -hmm. you'll see the temperature go from like usually it sits around like 38 and sometimes it'll just briefly be at like 56 for a little bit. Oh, that's awesome. So someone's got it open and they're like browsing around, which is usually fine because that means they're like, they probably bought multiple items, but you can see it. I will say it's not flawless. Um, I check it a lot 
because when technology works, it doesn't work. So mm -hmm. yeah, if I I've, see I've something got, that so, looks funky. I think I found it. Yeah. It's Byte it's Byte Technology, B-Y-T-E technology. And it shows yeah, they have a little it. example of the charts to show you daily sales, storage with sales changes. Do the sales integrate with your POS system or anything or with like Square or Clover? They do don't right now, but I know, mm -hmm. I mean, we don't need it to, but again, other places might. I think they're mm -hmm. working on integration methods, um, but as far as I know, it does not right now. Yeah. I wonder too, like, so I'm just thinking through different ways of using this. Like, so if you were to use this technology at a wholesale partner, right? Like, so typically we wholesale our juice to another place. And then they pay us based on what they bought, right? Um, I wonder how this would work. If you know, there have been times where um, people charge like a rental fee, right? Of like, okay, if you want to put your cooler in here, you ch they charge a rental fee. I wonder what model um, would work best, or if you just say, well. Well, because I mean, really, because then the consumer would be checking out directly. They wouldn't even be checking out. Let's say if you had it in a market. So I would think they would either want a percentage of sales or some sort of rent for keeping the machine there. Yeah, I think it depends on the person you go to. Yeah. So like with one of the hospitals near us, they just wanted to keep their staff healthy. So that's kind of a good angle that Byte always tells us if we're trying to sell a fridge, that it's an amenity for them. You know, it's a way to keep staff healthy. It's a way to direct any corporate wellness program dollars, direct it this way. Um, but some other places are like, all right, well, we're giving you space, so you need to pay for X amount of dollars, like you said, percentage of sales. So mm -hmm. I think it just depends um, where you're going to go. And I know some other, so there's another juice bar, fully rooted. They asked us about the fridge and they're on their, I think, third or fourth fridge now. Um, and we kind of help them troubleshoot some issues, but they are in places, I believe that they know, you know, they know the owners of places or they work with them already. So I know one of them is a bake shop. Um, I can't think of the other two. We'd have to ask them, but I could also see what they're doing. But I think if you know people, that's always more helpful. They'll let you just kind of come on in. Yeah. I mean, this could really, Charlie, don't you think be tremendous for other juice bars? Um, to, because I, I, for me, the limitation of juice bars is really always that, um, you, you need something other than the income that's coming through your door, right? You need more revenue streams, like good businesses have three or four or five different kinds of revenue streams, be it small or large. And so, um, that's really the limiting factor, I think, for, for product in our industry is that all you can really do is what's coming through the door. Um, but I think this really changes the game for people. Potentially. I mean, I'm sure it's probably a young technology that was probably birthed or, you know, expanded during COVID, but this is just kind of crazy. Yeah. Expanding on what Ari said earlier, since, since I started working in the juice industry, <laughs> I've talked to many, many people that have come up with some version of trying this. Like even back when juice served here was getting started, they had, they were like renting space in refrigerators and little grocery markets but then they would have to like consign the juice to them for free. And then the customer would give them yep. the money, but they're collecting it on behalf of juice served here so that they could, 
it wasn't like reselling it, you know, trying to get around the laws and everything. Mm. And yeah, putting a POS system near a fridge and just hoping that it was people a mess. actually, it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah a, mess. a mess. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a great way to a wholesale, but remain retail, you know, mm-hmm. that's, well, that's amazing. You know, as I think about it, like, so, so we've wholesaled, um, so we do H we do have a line of HPP, which we've switched all of our wholesale juice over to HPP one, cause legally it's the right thing to do. And two, because, um, we had such trouble with, <clears throat> for many years, we would wholesale fresh raw juice. And then we would do kind of a consignment where we would, if something were to expire, right, we would take it back and we would switch it out for fresh juice. And so then it, the onus was on us to get that juice back to the shop and sell it quick. Um, like say it was raining for three days, right? And so then we would, it would look like we had a really fat wholesale account, like $900 on one delivery. And then we'd go three days later to refill and take back $700 worth of juice. And you're just like, yeah. oh my God. And so, um, we stopped doing that buybacks when we started HPP because we were like, look, now, now the shelf life is much extended and it's on you. And if you need to run a sale to get these out, then that's what you need to do. But this would create, I think you could, if you were, if you were doing this with raw juice, I'm just kind of thinking through this in somebody else's facility, you could not wholesale it to them, sell it directly yourself. And then, um, but I guess you would be responsible for for switching it out whenever. Yeah, it but expires, that's almost right? it's almost better though because then you could just check in all your fridges every morning or whatever and like right kind of manage the inventory yourself instead of relying on a third party to do it. Right, because yeah. the annoying thing was for us is we wouldn't know what had sold at that market yeah. until we got there. Versus mm-hmm. like now you could check in on the back end at your own shop and be like, oh wow, they sold ten big greens. Okay, I need to take them big green. This and this and that, and then you would know from a back end inventory. Because that's the other thing is you don't want to be moving juice in a van, even if it's a refrigerated van, but without needing to, right? And so you would know yep. exactly what to take on your delivery. How often do you refill them? It depends. It just depends really on busy, what's sold, right? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's like 10 times a day. Sometimes it's like four. So, mm. And we just have a fridge full of stuff ready to go in case we need to do more or less. Um, also, what you said about not bringing something you don't need. From a customer perspective, they can see there's a link for them that they can click on. Mm. So if they see something that they like, they can see like, hey, there's 23 Renew stocked in this fridge right now. And if they want that that juice, they can come and get it. If they don't see it, well, shame on us. <laughs> we should have it in there. But then they don't have to waste their time coming over if they don't they don't mm. see it. And it's yeah, not on you to 86 it. that, right? Because like we have an app. Right. But we have to manually 86 a product on the back end. And sometimes, you know, you get stuck in service and you don't get a chance to 86 something. And then the guest orders it on the app because it's still showing up. And then they get there and there's no whatever juice that they ordered. So yeah. it, it does it automatically for it because you probably put in, okay, I put 10 renews in there and it knows when you're at zero. Yeah. Cause it'll, it takes its own inventory. So yeah. it knows what's coming and coming and going. Wait, I don't know if you explained this earlier, but are you just relying on the customer to tell the machine what they're taking or is there some kind of barcode scanning or? Um, there's Every... tagging. So it knows there's okay. a system. So it knows what's in there. So after we stock it, 
it'll tell us there's 20 of these, 30 of these, 30 of these. Okay. Like it knows as soon as you close the door. Really neat. It's, do you have to put RFID tags on your bottles or anything? Yep. That's what it is. We don't okay. tell customers that's how for fear that they might take the tag off, but we just tell okay. them it takes inventory. It's a smart fridge. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're all tagged. <laughs> Man, this is so perfect for so many of our audience. It really is. Um, very, very interesting. I tried like to, it, um, I was asking that company the next time JuiceCon rolls around that they should come and present. 100%. Yeah. They'd be a really I mean, great Because vendor. really, like, as, as you look at opening more brick and mortars, which of course takes so much capital, you know, I'm like, well, why don't, why wouldn't you just do this, right? Couldn't you even just rent a space from a shopping market, right? And mm -hmm. say, I'll pay lease on the sidewalk that never would have made you money before and put a fridge there. Yep. That's our next plan as soon as and, my juice and, bar is not demolished. Yeah. And the <laughs> other thing is, is like, oftentimes I'll go into what could be a really great wholesale account for us, but they're like, ah, we don't have any more fridges. And I'm like, can I bring my fridge? And you yeah. know, they sometimes let me and sometimes they don't, right? Because they don't want it jetting out into the aisle. I mean, we have like really beautiful branded ones, but mm -hmm. it just depends on what they want, right? Like, I mean, it's perfect for like putting a branded fridge in a cafe or a little market or a gym or, mm -hmm. and it's, I don't know, it seems a lot easier than doing a farmer's market or something. Well, I wonder too, yeah. like how, how hard it is to move them. How big are they? Are they like a regular vending machine? They are. No, they're not that big. They're oh. like half of a regular vending machine. They're kind of skinny. Yeah. I know they have a spec that's, sheet online. That's kind of interesting. Cause like, I know that there's a really popular country club here in my area that really wanted us to have juice. Um, but it was just like, man, the teenagers were running the shop and it was next to like hot dog and hamburgers and, you know, <laughs> were they going to keep it cold? But there was a huge market for me. I mean, it was like big hitters, right? And all my clients went there. And so this, something like this would be perfect where I'm like, just put it on the counter. Don't worry about it. It'll inventory itself. You know, I'll pay you 10% of sales or whatever it is, right? Um, very, very interesting. Yeah, people really are going to cool. buy it. Put one in there okay. and you can trial and error it. We trial and error one in a gym. So this guy, we let him put some of his product in, which overall, it just felt kind of weird to me because he had like bucked up and bang and like things that we don't sell. <laughs> but mm. I was like, let's just try it. You can put your stuff here. I'll put my stuff here and we'll see how it goes. And it, it didn't work because he's we had to put like emojis on the drinks. He's like, people don't read anything. We need emojis. And I was like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> that's the problem is once you start sh once you start what? sharing in business anytime you start sharing it's inevitable that one of the parties starts to feel like it's theirs you know and try to take control yes. it's just yeah you know yeah just having your own branded refrigerator that you can pop in places and test out the market and then if it works add another one somewhere else if it doesn't work move it somewhere else it's just pretty cool i don't know yeah. Caitlin. i think you should have put like the vomit uh emoji on all of his bang juices <laughs> <laughs> oh man he never would have noticed it but people would yeah. still buy him they'd be like yeah yeah it's gonna make me throw up <laughs> oh my gosh funny um all right let's move on to a couple facebook 
questions I saw in the Good Nature Facebook group. First one is from Fresh Green Roots Juicery. They say, hi, Juice family. I'm sure you all have noticed consumers being more health conscious and making food and drinks choices based on what it can do for them and how it can improve their health. Curious to hear what trends have you picked up of ingredients slash juice blends slash shots your customers are looking for. So I just kind of wanted to pick everyone's brain on when you talk about juice, because people do see juice as more medicinal than like, you know, they'll, uh, they'll go buy a, a like sweetened um, caramel latte at Starbucks and not ask any questions. But then they come in a juice bar. They're like, well, what is this going to do for me? Right. What are you going to cure? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Whatever you just drink in that Starbucks cup. <laughs> so uh, maybe we'll start with Olivia. How much do you go towards the what it does side or like what's in its side when you're marketing on your menus and stuff? Yeah, this is interesting. I actually talked about this on my live um, either this week or last week because talking about the benefit um, has always been a big part of my brand at Southern Press Juicery. And we had to make a change on our labels because of a claim, um, mm-hmm. particularly when we went to HPP for our line that's HPP'd. Um, we wanted all the labels to have the same front-facing label. And so we couldn't H... We had to make a change on our label um, because what I used to do is I would, you know, have the Southern Press Juicery logo, the name of the juice, and the ingredient, then three benefits of that juice. Like, let's say tummy taming, blood building, you know, protein packed. And then it would have the ingredients from top to bottom. Because I found that there were two kinds of customers. There are the ones that come in and say, I want turmeric. Just give me anything with turmeric in it. Or there were the ones that would come in and say, I just had surgery. I need something for inflammation and, you know, repair and rejuvenation or whatever. And so they would shop one of those two ways. Um, so that way I was kind of hitting both. I was hitting the ingredient side and that, which is required. And then I was hitting, Hey, these, this is what these things can do for you. When I switched to having a line of HPP juices, along with our fresh press juice, um, I had to take that off because that was considered a claim. And so I just went ahead and I did it all the way across the board and I knew that it was going to affect my sales. So what I did was I started right away with a different marketing campaign um, with pieces inside the store and on the website and on the social media that talked about the benefits. So um, on whichever live I did, it, it should be saved on, on the Southern Press Usury and Good Nature Instagram pages. But you can see me actually, oh, it was, the, it was the one I just did this week in Charlotte. I actually showed what I call our cheat sheet. And it's a really nice um, black and white you know, graphic that's behind a plexiglass, so it can't get all gross. And it puts all of our juices into categories of benefits. So it will have tummy taming, protein packed for, you know, high blood pressure for whatever all of the different things are. And then underneath that category, it will list out which the names of the juices that are good for that category. Sometimes they're double in different categories because they do two or three or four different things. Um, and sometimes they're not. So for a guest that's coming in and shopping for, I have the flu, I'm sick, I'm having, you know, something viral, they can look in that category and see exactly what juices are in there and then go and match that with what's in the fridge. It also really helps when um, sometimes you have new or young staff and they're not fully trained. I mean, those, yeah. that stuff has so much to learn, right? And the first thing I teach them is how to run the register and how to make smoothies and bowls, right? Because those are the two most important things. Um, Later in their training comes, all right, what are the benefits of all of these ingredients? 
name out what's in the signature detox for me, right? But it's obviously not the first thing that they learn, but sometimes they are stuck at the register. So if a guest comes in and your manager or whoever is is more trained is not available because they're on the bar, then the guest may say, hey, do you have anything for inflammation? And the girl's like, ah, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure I do, but I don't know what. She can discreetly show mm-hmm. them over to the cheat sheet and really kind of, you know, show them what would be good for that category and and answer her questions without looking like she didn't know what she was doing, really. Um, and and ultimately giving them the product that that's going to help them for what they need. So that's the change that I made. Um, I will say there are these people, I think, because they've been so trained by like Smoothie King and Jamba Juice and oh. all those places where they put in like, oh, I'm going to add energy into your mm-hmm. drink or whatever. And so sometimes they'll look at my menu because I do have it written on the menu and they'll be like, oh, um, add in some... And some anti-inflammatory in there. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not an add-in. It's just a benefit, people. Like God did that, you know? So it does cause some conversation, but I still think for, for my business, it's been worth it um, to still have that conversation and not have it on the label. So that's how we do it. How about you, Kaylin? I second that because we used to do that when we actually had a juice bar and it was very helpful. And I think for some people, they're going to ask you a question and they are not going to listen to you. So just do your best and give them the information as long as they have it. It's up to them what they want to do with it. Or we just try and steer somebody that's not really like listening just to this one drink. Like this is what you need. And that's that. Ari, do you give any advice to people? Yeah. Always keep it separate. You know, I got, I talked to a lot of people that want to put, just put it all over the bottles. You know, you got to take yourself, out of the equation and think of it from a guest perspective all the time, you know, where someone might just want a bottle of juice, you know, they don't want to hear about what it's going to do to their body. They just want to juice and leave. So keep it separate, you know, have it posted on uh, inside when they're, you know, in different posters or, or have pamphlets or, you know, have little cheat sheets that you can have your employees to be able to engage with the guests too, when they're coming in. You know, it's another point where they could talk them through it. If, you know, because if someone's looking for a particular health benefit, they'll most likely ask someone about it, you know, and it's a great way to engage with guests. It's easy to talk about over social media, too. I see a lot of juice bars do that where they, you know, they'll feature ingredients, um, you know, because you're always looking for content, right? And it's like, how many times can you take a picture of a juice bottle? But so that's one one thing that I really like to do and I enjoy as a consumer when I'm looking through Instagram is like, I'm like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Huh? Okay. I, I need to like pick that up next time. Um, is really talk about the benefits of your ingredients, um, in your social media as well. Um, cause that kind of saves you from making a claim. I mean, really the only danger is making a claim somewhere written on the product. That's what the FDA doesn't want. They don't want the, to say this bottle will directly, you know, be, the cure for your cancer. Yeah, right? as soon as you start uh, doing that, yeah. it becomes a drug, and then right. you have and, to. And yeah. truth be told, we all know that there's things out there that are great for cancer, and I know that my juice bar starts getting cancer patients once they're in stage three or stage four because their doctors tell them you're, mm-hmm. you know, now you need to go vegan, plant based, and I'm like, okay, but I can't tell them, <laughs> I can't write on here that this is good for this, but, um, so yeah, just make sure you're not making a claim, but you definitely need to be having the conversation with your guests because it's part of the industry and it's why we're all doing what we do. I mean, 
we're all in the juice industry because we want to help people get healthier. And we know that this is a great way to do it. And if you're not educating them, then then they're not going to, one, know what they're buying or two, come back for more or think about you when something is ailing, right? And I think we all want to be thought about as um, a place that can help you get better. Um, and so you've got to do your part in educating them. Cool. I'm, I'm going to play one of the questions from the audience now. And just to remind everyone, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do that at goodnature.com slash radio. And this is from Whitney in Florida. Broken up into two parts because I realized recently I had the limit set to 30 seconds. So I changed it. It's now two minutes. So you guys can leave us longer voicemails. But let me play these here. Hey, guys, this is Whitney calling from St. Augustine, Florida. I'm currently running a home-based business and just dying to branch out into brick and mortar, but I keep tinkering on the risk versus reward factor. As a home-based brand, I can keep my day job and manage this as a side business. I can also make it at my own pace and (laughs) close your ears, Chef Ari and Olivia, but make specialty or custom orders as requested. However, with a storefront, the visibility and the reach just become so much greater. In the last year, my passion has really been pulling me towards it more and more as I see fast foods and convenience foods going up on every corner of my area. And I feel like I really have the base and the interest to bring this dream into a reality and to convert juice skeptics into juice lovers. Any tips or must-haves before taking the plunge into brick and mortar? Thanks again for your podcast. I absolutely love it and I have learned so much from y'all. And I secretly stalk the app each Friday until it's (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Whitney, for the awesome message. That's great. Uh, so, Caitlin, you've been through this process in the past. Mm. You started at home, moved to yeah. brick and mortar. So how would you w- think about yeah. it? I would say do it. If you feel like you need to do it and something's calling you to do it, do it. You might only be able to keep your, your regular job for a little bit of time, but I think you know when you're ready to take the jump. Um, one thing I would say is just make sure you talk to all of your, like talk to the health department, talk to your city, because I didn't know anything and I didn't have a partner. I didn't have investors. So I got into trouble because I just thought, okay, I have a space. I mean, and even with the claims that we were just talking about my, my bottles, I was like, I need to sell this and I need to tell people what it is. And it said calming inflammation on it, you know, like, accelerate or what was one of them speedy metabolism like things like that so i think if you are just you know crossing your t's dotting your eyes making sure that you have everything you need um then you'll be good to go and i mean just do it people need it hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) um ari what do you think about her comment about doing the Custom order. I know we talked about it before. We don't need to rehash the whole thing, but like, uh, if she's going to move from home-based business to brick and mortar, mm-hmm. you think she should continue sort of doing the custom orders and stuff? To an extent, you know, there's there's ability to have a custom made-to-order section or custom blends, but there has to kind of be uh, rules in place to be able to make a quality product consistently. You know, so it, it's, it's definitely an option there. If, if you're open to it, there's, there's space. You got, uh, the staff that could be able to keep up with that and deliver the product. Cause the determining factor is really the quality of product that you're putting out. If you're rushing through to make all these custom orders at a lower quality, then 
I would hold off on it. Absolutely. What do you think, Olivia? Okay, let me tackle first the custom thing. I think the custom product is okay. Um, I, I think it depends on the kind of machine you have. Like for me, I only have an X1. So it's it's nearly impossible, Charlie, correct me if I'm wrong, to do one bottle of a custom juice on an X1. It's just not made for that. Um, so I, I don't have a smaller machine where I can do that. Um, so what we do is if somebody needs a custom juice, we require a we have parameters just like Chef Ari does. We require payment in advance. Um, we require a certain amount of bottles. So at least six bottles, because then what am I going to do with the other five? Um, and we require that the price be based on the food cost. So like typically I do any six juices for $55. Um, that may not be the case. If the food cost works out for what they've requested, great. But like I just sold a custom cleanse um, when I was working the counter the other day. It wasn't anything that was normally in our freezer, in our fridge. Um, and the cost was $60 for the six pack instead of 55 based on the food cost that Chef Hank ran. So um, I just think there has to be a communication tool, um, whether you use your, you know, your cleanse um, sheet, which is what we use, take payment in advance, um, and just make sure that they understand, I guess, depending on the machine you use, right, um, what the requirements are for your business in order to be able to do that. Make sure you, you know, your food costs, so you're charging them the right thing. Um, based on whether I think you should get a brick and mortar. I mean, you know, you're, t you're talking to two girls here that have brick and mortar. So we're going to tell you that, um, you know, that the, that the, the reward is worth the risk, but, um, it sounds like you've done your due diligence. You've got a good base. You've, um, you know, got a product that's got a following, Yes, it's nice to have your own schedule, but you can set that also with your brick and mortar. I think, you know, it just depends on what your risk threshold is. Um, you know, we're going to a scary time right now. We can't just close our eyes to that. I think that the next three to six months are going to be really hairy um, and, of course, longer than that. So, you know, from a business operator standpoint, I would say get in with a very low risk lease. Um, you know, nothing more than three years, three to five years, get a one year if you can. That's what I did in Charlotte um, to really test the market. And then that just allows me, particularly in this time, to just feel so much like more at ease. Like, okay, like if this doesn't work, then it's just one year, right? Like, you know, at least on my resume, I've, I'm only been missing from the market a year, not like 20 years. Um, so, so I think, you know, that that's just part of being an entrepreneur is that at some point you just got to close your eyes and jump. Um, but it, de it definitely sounds to me less scary um, because you already have a base and you already have a brand. And so you know it's going to sell as long as you put it in the right place. And so, you know, maybe you do some really big holiday cleanses, um, save up some cash and use that. Um, you know, you got to think about what machine you're going to be using. Um, once you have a brick and mortar, you know, I think personally it's hard if you've positioned it in the right place to be working on a smaller machine. Um, so just, just things you got to be thinking about. Yeah. And, and I think too, like, sorry, uh, just one more thing is I think that, um, you know, you, it's the same thing that what was happening in COVID is that unfortunately, because of the recession and the economic climate right now, like there's going to be other places that are closing. And so right now, even though it kind of sounds counterintuitive, it might be the perfect place to jump in. Um, because there's people that are just trying to sublease out, that they're just trying to fill a space because any money coming in from rent is better than no money. But what I would say is don't jump at the first space that you see. Be patient, wait for the right place, the right location, the right price. Because if nothing else, 
unfortunately more spots will be opening up um, because it's just so hard right now. So um, just don't fall so in love with the idea that you sign the dotted line for the rest of your life in the wrong location. Yeah, we talked on a previous episode about the surprise that some areas force you to get a grease trap built into the ground. And then as Caitlin said, if you don't already have them, you're going to need sinks and drainage and uh, counters. And that stuff can run into six figures after you add it all up. And then if you sign a lease on the wrong place, you're just kind of dug yourself in a really deep hole. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely reach out to Chef Ari and to myself um, to see, you know, what we can do to help you make sure that you're, you've got the tools that you need to move forward. Um, like Caitlin said, you, you don't want to open and then <laughs> fail your DHEC test or, um, you know, get started on the, on the wrong foot with your city, you know, city enforcements and officials and all of that. So just make sure that you're using your resources and good nature has a lot of those that you can reach out to us to make sure that we've at least got, you know, um, the basics of what you need to get going and hopefully that'll take some fear out of the decision all right we've got andrew here as a question about the machines i think i can answer this one real quick hey y'all andrew sumter from houston texas and i have a quick question what is the difference between the original press rack and the new updated press rack for the x1 mini thanks so much bye all right so recently we did some engineering and we remade the Full press chamber component for the X1 Mini. And we reduced the number of parts that you need in the machine. And also, instead of it being a bunch of machined parts, which when you're building uh, products, machining parts is when you take a big block of something and then you carve out the part that you need. And molding is when you like pour plastic or metal into a mold and, and you get the part you need. It's a lot bigger investment up front to mold something, but the parts become a lot cheaper. And we had been machining the parts for the press chamber for years. And which is why they've been so expensive for our customers because they're really expensive for us to make. So this year we invested in making a mold and consolidating a lot of the parts. So the new press chamber has fewer parts. It's lighter weight. Um, it's easier to manufacture for us. Like we don't get imperfections anymore like we used to. Um, it's easier to clean and to wash. Uh, so I definitely do recommend upgrading uh, if you have it. And those are the main differences. And the parts are a lot cheaper as well. That's and he's got funny. one other question here. Sorry, I, talked to, I talked to Andrew last week and he asked me that. And I was like, the juice collection tray is built in. That was my answer to it. So I'm glad you're <laughs> Yeah, you no longer need a that. juice collection tray. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So let's. Uh, he's got another question here as well. Hey y'all, this is Andrew from Houston, Texas. And I've got a question or two questions. Uh, what is the best, I guess, substance or compound used to um, really clean the, the press grates, like a descaling type of compound? And also what's the best thing to wash vegetables with? Thank you so much, appreciate it. All right, why don't you start with this one and then um, we'll hear the other's opinions as well. Yeah. It's so uh, you can get buildup on on some of those parts if it's not uh, being washed consistently. Uh, regardless, I I recommend probably doing a, a detailing of the equipment once a week or so. Uh, but yeah, exactly. You need something to descale 
that build up that builds up. The longer you ignore it, the tougher it is to remove. Uh, also, on some of the metal portions, you could use something a little more abrasive. Uh, don't use them on the the plastic parts, but uh, like the the grinder disc that's the metal. You could use like a a stainless steel or steel wool. You know, I could definitely break that up for kind of like that detailing portion. Uh, and for washing produce, it's it you're required to wash in our cold running water, remove the debris. I strongly recommend adding an antimicrobial wash to wash the produce after. Uh, you know, just because that's the biggest safety step when making raw cold pressed juice. You know, if the only way it's going to be, uh, there's no kill step in there. You know, you're not heating the product. Uh, so you have to have extremely clean product. That antimicrobial wash actually does a great job to remove the wax, the buildup that a lot of these farm or the warehouses might put on it to have it last longer. So it definitely just removes that product and makes uh, the product, the, the produce really great for ready for juicing. And it's that extra safety step for sure. Uh-oh, lost Caitlin. Um, ah, Caitlin just disappeared. <laughs> Olivia, do you have anything to add to that? Um, <clears throat> you know, nothing quite as valuable as what Shafari is going to say. He's really the expert back there. But I will say, I don't know if you, if you guys, as good nature, um, say that this is a requirement or not. I truly don't know. But we have a hose right next to our X1. So we hose that sucker down like crazy. I mean, definitely wear rubber shoes in the back. So um, that's the whole, I don't know. Is that a requirement? I don't know how else you would clean it without a hose. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point too. What I was going to say is as soon as you're done juicing, getting that kind of in the sink or sprayed down within 10 to 15 minutes makes it a lot easier than letting it sit. Yeah. So, so when I walk in the back, I see the hose going like crazy. And then I yeah. see, you know, in the three compartment sink, I see the blades, you know, soaking and then getting scrubbed. And, um, you know, we tend to use our bags, like one bag for dark beets and roots, um, another bag, obviously your milk bag. And so I guess it depends on what machine you're in, but, um, we definitely do a cold wash and antimicrobial as well. So you can use a, depends on the kind of hose. Because some hoses, the pressure is so high that if you spray it into the motor or like the electrical panel on the X1, the water will get through if it's under high enough pressure. And we've seen that a lot with uh, Mm. some people that install like a regular garden type hose with a nozzle on it, um, that that can sometimes cause issues. If you know what you're doing, it's totally fine. You just have to make sure you're not spraying pressurized water into certain areas of the machine. I would recommend either using a low pressure sprayer. You, you know how they have those sprayers on the three compartment sinks for washing dishes? Yeah. That have the hose on it. You can use that. Like if you wheel your machine over towards the sink and just kind of use that, that'll work. Or just use a hose and turn the setting down so it's not under high pressure. Like yeah. the X1, all of our machines are rain tested, meaning in order to get our certification, I have to go in a room and get like water rained on them for a while. So they are sealed like that. 
But at the same time, if you're using pressurized water, they can still make it through and start damaging their electrical components and stuff. All right, thanks for the questions, Andrew. Um, there's one other question on Facebook I wanted to touch on. Somebody asked about the importance of weighing your produce for recipes. So when a lot of people start out, they might do it like half a cucumber, one bunch of this, one orange, half a lemon. Ari, at what point do you think that becomes unsustainable and you have to start weighing? Uh, immediately. Immediately. <laughs> so, I, I think there's, with, with everything you decide to do with your operation, it's always good to do like pros and cons. And there's really no pros to go by each, in my opinion. You know, the pros for weighing all your product is you get that consistency. You have the ability to cost out your recipes. You, you have the ability to scale them up very easily, ordering everything. So, I mean, it, it just makes it easier across the board. If you're not used to weighing your products uh, and figuring out how much you're going to need to scale up your recipes, just reach out. I'll, I could help you out with that. But the sooner you get that done, uh, the easier it's going to be in the long run. It's a little bit of work initially, but once you have that set, it's it's a lot easier for sure. Hey, Caitlin's back. Caitlin. <laughs> Caitlin, since you're on and you have a nutrition background, I did want to have a quick discussion. Um, recently, there was some talk on some of the social media platforms about some of our customers experimenting with adding ascorbic acid to extend shelf life. And it kind of freaked me out a little bit. But I'd like to hear your educated opinion and whether that should be considered in our business. Yeah, I think it depends again on where you are in your business. I know some people just want to increase the shelf life and they're thinking, well, if I just put a little bit of this in, because again, something that I've learned is a little bit, right? doesn't hurt, but I don't really think that way. I'm sort of a purist. So for me, when I know if I'm adding something already, like lemon or lime that has ascorbic acid and citric acid, I don't want to put that in. But again, it depends on where you're at. Some places are fine doing it if they want to increase the shelf life, maybe not HPP it, maybe not pasteurize it, um, but not so much for us, right? So I feel like everything that the FDA tells us or anything that we learn is, oh, well, a little bit's okay. But now more and more research comes out where it's like, ooh, maybe that little bit, you know, wasn't okay because the way we live our lives, we are so exposed to just a little bit all the time. And that little bit all the time accumulates. So for me, I'd say no, but just for our brand and for what I believe, other places, if that is how you run your business and maybe you're a, a big company, that's not my decision to make, but. Yeah, and my my opinion on the whole thing I've had time to think about it is I guess the reason bothered me so much when I saw it is that a juice bar, a local juice bar has always been to me the place where I go where I feel safe. Like I know what they're doing. It's I know what they're putting in the juice. It's pure. It's raw. They're not doing tricky things with the labeling or adding added ingredients to extend the shelf life or like manipulating 
things on it. Like I know I can go here and buy a beverage and feel good about it. And so then when I see that people are experimenting with adding like powdered supplements and stuff, it just kind of freaks me out. Cause I'm like, I always thought our industry was sort of the opposite of that. Like if, if you're okay with those additives and preservatives, there's plenty of things at the grocery store you can buy that are a lot cheaper. And, but if you really want something pure and raw and really honestly hard to make and expensive and, but just the most natural thing you can consume, then you go to your local juice bar and the place you can trust, you know? So I think that's what bothered me so much about it. You you know, what's kind of cool. Uh, I actually reached out to a few food scientists that I use for lab testing and asked them about the process and about ascorbic acid. And two things that he was able to share with me is uh, it's very tough to find out what it's extracted and synthesized from. And also it's water soluble. So it's, Normally, like you see the packages where it's like a thousand percent your daily value, eight hundred percent your daily value, but when you actually take it, it's it's water soluble and it almost all of it, your body doesn't absorb, you know, just because it just dissipates so quickly when you actually consume it. That's why it's at such a high level. Hopefully, some of it mm. will actually get into your system. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah, there's. And the process of making it, even the ones that are food-derived, you can find food-derived of vitamin C, ascorbic acid. But even though the process to create is still very intensive and like made in a lab and lots of chemistry going on. So even though it's derived from a plant, the end product is very unnatural in my opinion. But I'm sure people would disagree with me. Lots of things are derived from plants. That doesn't mean they're good for you. I know. That was my point, too. I'm like, uh, like MSG comes from seaweed. And like corn syrup is comes from corn, obviously. You know, there's lots of things that come from plants originally that end up in a very unnatural synthetic state at the end. It's good marketing, though. It's fine if the marketing's there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, exactly, though. It's like. Cold pressed juice industry is sort of anti that sort of marketing bullshit. That's always how, how I felt, you know? So then when that starts to creep in, I'm like, ugh, this is giving me a bad feeling about the direction this is going. Okay, we're uh, just going over an hour here. I guess we can start to wrap it up. Um, thank you, as usual, Ari and Olivia, for joining. And Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome. Happy to have you back whenever you feel like coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It was fun. Man, that, right. that was awesome. Yeah, thanks everybody. Yeah. Yeah, again. Pressing fruits and roots. This week I did it my way. Baby say, oh, now let's have some fun. There is nothing greater.